Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Fantasia podcast, a podcast where a bunch of theater nerds gather around and play various tabletop role-playing games, such as Dungeons & Dragons, Monster Hearts, Monster of the Week, Call of Cthulhu, and more. My name is Avery Malosh, and I will be your Dungeon Master for tonight's session of Dungeons & Dragons Legend of the Silver Flame. Previously in Legend of the Silver Flame. You are in central Valendia. It is the center of the continent where humans made their kingdoms. Three, in fact. Each of you, for your own reasons, find yourself in Isenport, where the solar festival is taking place. The city grows darker as the sun shrinks smaller. The king of Isenport points to the sky. I hope you have all enjoyed the festivities! I present to you, the ancient Kyber Shard! And the king reaches down to the marble chest, and he opens it. Hooded figures that you saw before, there's so many more of them. There's at least 30 or 40 throughout the crowd. As you see, they don't begin to clap, but they actually begin reaching into their own cloaks. Mm. Out of the portal steps a woman. Or at least you think a woman. Standing 12 feet tall. Her body wrapped in black iron chains with spikes that pierce her pale, battle-scarred skin. And she wears a veil of barbed wire over her face. I am the beginning of the end. And she cracks it into the middle of the group of guards. And that group explodes with a burst of fire and is sent flying in all separate directions. Oh! Immediately, the crowd starts to panic. All the numerous cloaked individuals suddenly pull out weapons and they just begin attacking civilians. Attacking civilians to their left or right, just slaughtering them, saving them. And I need everyone to roll initiative for oh. me. Oh! <laughs> yes! First initiative. That is a 17 for Velvet. Oh, my. Oh! That is an 8 for Sai. That's another 8 for Lena. A 12 for Bree. What, what are your dexterity scores? Mine's a plus 2. And Sai? Uh, dexterity is, uh, one. Okay, so, Lena, you're gonna go first, and then Sai. And then, um, Steph, what was yours again? Twelve. Twelve. Okay. So, the crowd suddenly begins to panic, and people are running in all separate directions. It's hard to make your way in the darkness. The only light coming from this green portal and the blue shard that the king is holding. So, first up in initiative, we're gonna have... Velvet. So you're watching from... Did, did you decide to move in closer, or were you watching more so from your tent? Yeah, he was watching from his tent. So you're, you're sitting on your... You're standing on your stage to give you a little bit more height, and you saw all these events from way at the back, and in front of you, you notice that there are a couple hooded figures who begin slaughtering these people around them, and you actually notice the same boy who went into the back of your tent and was talking to you begin to be chased by one as this guy's pulling back uh, his dagger and going after him. Ooh, okay. So Velvet grabs his leer and kind of runs up to the top of the tent. I assume it's got some sort of canvas that can hold his weight. For sure. And he uses the bunginess of the tent to like leap over and try to land either on top of or right in front of this monster chasing the boy. 
Do you want to land on top of, like, an attempt to grapple, or would you rather just uh, intercut? Uh, I'll, you know what, let's do intercut. Okay, so first I'll have you roll acrobatics to see if you can pull off this sick move. Amazing. <laughs> uh, that is a 17. Oh, yeah. So you, you begin bouncing one, bouncing two, and on that third bounce, you get just the right amount of spring as you soar through the air with your leer. Uh, manage to pull off a front flip and perfectly land on the balls of your feet in between the uh, hooded man and this boy. The boy falls to his feet from your landing and just crab crawls a few steps back, and the hooded figure stops in front of you. And I kind of hold out my arms as wide as they can to get to kind of seem bigger th than I am. And I look at, do, do I get a good look at what this creature is now? Yeah, so uh, he is a human. Okay. And um, he's a bit of a younger human. Uh, he looks a little crazed. He's very wide-eyed and you see him panting heavily, his shoulders moving up and down and he seems like very high energy right now. Cool. I I pull out my leer and I strike a mighty chord and I'm gonna use dissonant whispers. Okay. And, okay, so for those of you at home that don't know what Dissonant Whispers is, <laughs> so Dissonant Whispers means that I can create a discord melody in one creature's ear and cause them terrible pain. They have to do a wisdom saving throw. Now, I'm, I'm uh -huh. kind of changing that so that when I use Dissonant Whispers, he's just hitting, like, a mighty, mighty chord that's so epic that it blows their minds. Like he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to blow their minds with music. So he just strikes this chord and just go, uh, and just like, boom, it like shoots out uh, towards him. All right, so, oh my God, he crit failed. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. Yes. So that is, oh, okay, great. Okay, so never mind. So you just take all the damage. Okay. Beauty. So, so you're going to take 10 points of psychic damage. 10 points of psychic damage. So yeah. as you release this beautiful ear shattering note, <laughs> it's waves, you can almost feel the air reverberate as it, his eyes grow even wider and he just stands there dumbfounded. And you actually see suddenly um, his eyes bulge out of his face a little bit. They don't explode or anything, but they bulge out more than they're supposed to. And he drops to his knees and immediately collapses and he's not moving. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit, okay. <laughs> <laughs> do I have time to do something else still? Uh, that's an action. Okay. And uh, you took your movement at the beginning to cool. super awesome front flip over. Sounds so, good. Um, if you want to talk to the boy or anything, I'll let yeah, you do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of turn around and I say, little lad, are you safe? Yes, yes, thank you. And he gets up and begins running again. Wait, wait. I pull out my dagger and I give it to him. And I say, remember, fuck those bitches up. And he, he gets sort of more determined now that he's holding a real weapon. He's never done this before. And instead of running away, he runs into the fray. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> he, leaning, Velvet, Velvet kind of goes, oh, okay. That, that, had the, that had the opposite effect every time. God damn it. And he just kind of run, runs into the crowd. All right. <laughs> So, Bree, from where you're standing, you see the one cultist stand from his position, and he turns around, and he comes face to face with you, standing about uh, 20 feet away, and he's going to take his turn as he begins to massacre the first person that he sees. So what you see happen is... He raises his hand, kind of takes a stance, and does some sort of intricate gesture with his hand, and I need you... Oh no, I make a small attack with my abilities. 
as he's going to make an attack against you. And does 18 hit? Yes, it does. Okay. So he makes this gesture with his hand and then sort of thrusts his hand forward. And immediately this green energy splays out of his hands, drives through the air and starts to, and permeates through your chest. And you're going to take 14 um, necrotic damage. Oh, wow. And that's his turn. Next up, we will have Bree. (laughs) Response. (laughs) Bree kind of staggers up and tries to fight through the pain and she is definitely hurt and angry now and she is going to try to cast Firebolt. Alright, so you gotta make an attack roll for that one, right? Yes. Alrighty. That is a 25. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy doesn't stand up. Yeah, no, no chance at all. Yeah. So, yes, this emerald green ball of fire forms in her hand, and she hurls it right at him. And this fire bolts immediately right into his chest, and how much damage is he going to take? He is going to take... 1d10 fire damage. So I rolled a 6, so he's going to take 6 fire damage. 6 fire damage, okay. And as a bonus action, I would like to bring out my spiritual weapon. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. And Emerald Green Sword is going to appear in front of her. Alright, and, I'll, and, and I'll say, um, you'll be able to make an attack with it on your next turn. Okay, perfect. So it's ready to attack him. Yeah, and yeah, this sword comes up and is floating next to you and it's sort of waving intimidatingly at him. And he staggers back from that blast in his chest and he kind of looks up to you and you can see he's literally drooling from his uh, grimaced teeth like <sighs> looking at you. Next up, we have Lena. So what you see around you, you're actually uh, quite close to to Bree, you're sort of in the same vicinity, but you see cultists again going around and just like m- murdering people mercilessly, and there's about three of them around your area. Lena's going to start heading towards the shard. Towards the shard. So whoever is going to get in her way, she'll she'll deal with them. Okay, there's two cultists in the way of getting to the shard. Are you looking to attack them first, or just make your way straight through? She's going to she's going to attempt to go through and see what they do. She's going to try to slip through if she can, and then if one of them does anything, she'll deal with it then. Okay, so if, if you do go to slip through, since they're going to be trying to attack as many people as possible around them, I'll say they, they are going to try to make their attacks on you. Okay, so she sees that they're pretty pissed. She, she grabs an old ribbon, ties her hair back, and she gets out her, her great sword, or great axe, sorry from uh, behind her back and she goes to, uh, I guess attack whichever one is closer to her. Yeah, no problem. So um, because of the amount of chaos that's sort of happening around you, you begin weaving through the people and one of them, let's say just one on the left. If there's like a straight line to the stage in that shard that you're making, there's one guy on your left and uh, he looks to you and he goes to stab you with his dagger. And he he really, really misses. He does, he does <laughs> really bad. He's just kind of flailing this thing wildly and just misses you as you go by. The other one goes to turn as well and he goes to make his attack and does a 13 hit? 
No, it does not. Okay, so he goes to wildly attack you as well, and he misses. Now, as you make your way through those people, you see the shard is being held by the King of Bidens. He begins running off the stage, away from this large demonic woman, and you see another whip of her chain as another blast of fire emanates and sends guards flying, and this demonic woman jumps off the stage over the King of Isenport and lands on the ground and begins making her way toward the King of Bidens as well. Lena whispers to herself, hoping that Theo's there, and says, Do do you want me to grab the shard? She just kind of nods her head and starts moving towards the king. All right. So next up we have Sai. So from where you're at, it's the same sort of deal. It's It's a very chaotic sort of massacre that's going on. And there's two. They just finished pulling their daggers out of people, and they're making their way toward what you seem to see as the leader. Um, From where you're standing, you saw this green light emanate out of the one cultist's hand, and they're starting to make their way toward him to support him in fighting uh, this halfling creature that you haven't met before, but who seems to be holding her ground much better than any other civilian is. Okay, so the the two that just finished stabbing people, they're heading back towards the leader who's near Bree, correct? Okay, and how? So how how close am I to all of this? So like how um, many feet away? These uh, the cultists turn their back on you and they start walking away. So I'd say right now they're about thirty feet away from you. All right. If I try to attack the leader, that's near Bree. Is is is, is he also thirty feet away from me, or is it um, just the the two? That... He's further. He's uh, around like okay. forty to forty five range. Okay. But, I mean, you have your movement, and you can use that at any point during your turn, uh, before or after spellcasting. Um. Yeah. Um, okay, I am actually, I want to go for that leader. Okay. Yeah, I want to go for the leader, and I'm going to use Chromatic Orb. And what this is, it's a, a four-inch diameter sphere of energy, and I'm going to choose Fire Energy. Hmm. And I'm going to attack that leader, and it, it has a range of 90 feet. Would that still hit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <Totally. laughs> That's what I thought. Oh, yeah, you have, like, double the range of where he is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so when I attack, I use my, my spell attack bonus. Is that right? Is that what it says for that spell? Um, it's uh, make a ranged spell attack against the target. Yep, yes. so you'll roll for me. So, all right, here we go. And that is a, oh yeah, that'll hit, that is a 26. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, so roll the damage Okay, and damage is 3d8, gotta find my d8. Um, what is eight? Oh, nice. Uh, 11 and, oh, okay, that's 19 fire damage. 19 fire damage. 19. So, Bree, you're staring him down as you just cast a fire bolt at him, and then as he's clenching his teeth at you, this orb of fire energy suddenly explodes from within his range as well, sending him, uh, just engulfing him in flames, and he he lets out a uh, as he starts to yell and pat down these flames, and he looks behind you. And uh, you look as well, and you see that there's this older man in robes who uh, just cast this using his staff as he's making his way toward you. Bree kind of acknowledges him and like bows her head slightly in thanks, and then and turns back. back to the guy in front of her. Nice. So next we have the cultists. So we have two around Bree and Sai. So I'm going to have uh, each of them, uh, they run toward you as their leader sort of points at both of you, and they're going to make attacks. Three does a 11 hit? 
No. All right. And then Sai, oh, wow, yes. does an eight hit? Uh, no. So they run at you with their daggers reared back, and they swing and go to stab each of you as you guys step out of the way. And uh, you are now locked in combat with these two. Now, Velvet, yes. another cultist, runs out of the crowd, um, and he is running someone through with his sword towards you, pulls it out, and just goes to take another wild stab at the next closest creature, being you. Does a 14 hit? Yes. Okay. So he goes to stab into you. And uh, you'll be taking four, uh, four slashing damage from that as he cuts into okay. you. Ow! That's my good side, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> the side that makes all the money. Damage. The money makers. Ow! Now the cultists, uh, Lena. Um, mm -hmm. One of them turns. Uh, one of the ones that you passed. He, he turns and starts to pursue after you, and he's gonna go to take a hit at you. And he rolls an 18, so I assume that hits. Oh yeah, does it ever? And uh, that'll be five slashing damage on you as well. Okay. Now he slashes into you, you see the King of Bidens narrowly avoiding and uh, making his way through these cultists, but this demonic woman, being as large as she is, uh, just taking these larger steps, moving faster and faster, she rears back her chain whip, whips it around the King of Bidens, it wraps around his body, piercing into his flesh, and she pulls back, and he gets launched right back toward her, and she catches him in her arms as he's holding the shard. And then we're back at the top of initiative with Velvet. Okay, so I'm just looking at this one, correct? Yes. Amazing. So I am going to use sleep. <laughs> so he's in front of me and I want to put him to sleep. So I already pre-rolled <laughs> for this. Okay. Is is his are his hit points twenty or under? Yes. Wonderful. So that means that he goes to sleep <laughs> he's yes so uh, you, you, yeah. do you want to describe how it happens or yes so yeah, I, I think as he jumps in front of me and cuts me and i accuse him of hurting my good side i kind of do like a quick like spin around and like stop myself with my foot so it kind of makes like a little bit of, of a dust trail and again i, I stroke my liar and i say um i go Mr. Cultist, <laughs> you look so sleepy. And you see his wide eyes, his crazed eyes, begin to uh, flutter uh, and grow smaller as um, he almost drops his daggers. He goes, no, no. And he goes to try to bring it up again, but his, his shoulder seems to be so heavy and so tired. Good night. And as you hold that final long note, he collapses to his knees, falls face first. You hear the crack of his nose in the, in the cobblestone. And despite that pain, he is out like a light. He's just on the ground unconscious. I keep going and I run over him by like kicking off of his back to get some air and just keep running into the crowd. Um, where? How far am I from what's going on right now from that main king? So now, now that you, I'll say you take like your 25 feet of movement more in, um, mm -hmm. there's another 50 feet until, um, you, until there's that large woman holding the king. Within that 50 feet, there's also Bree and Sai who are fighting two cultists and that cult leader in the mix as well in between there. Okay. I want to get out of this fray and get 
kind of up to send my magic down at people. Okay. Can I, can I use perception to see if there's anything around me right now? Yeah, for sure. So I'll say in the in the middle of this space, there are a couple stalls that have been set up of just uh, food vendors or uh, people trying to sell things to people in this main area. So um, there's like a wooden structure shack, type, open-faced shack type structure in the, in the middle of this area that you could perch yourself on to get about 10 feet above the rest of everyone. Wonderful. That's where I'm going to head then. All right, and you'll, you'll be able to make it there on your next turn for sure. All right. Cool. Next, we have the cult leader, the cult fanatic. So he just took some damage, and he's not happy about that at all. <laughs> he... <laughs> so he also casts spiritual <gasps> weapon. <laughs> and this glowing purple sort of uh, scimitar grows next to him and he uh, tells it to move forward next uh, he's going to cast sacred flame so he points it to you uh, Bree and uh, I need you to make a dexterity saving throw for me okay Oh, that's a nat 20. Oh my god, okay, so <laughs> never mind. Um, so you feel like this sort of dark sort of energy um, start to fall upon your body. And just before it's about to ignite, you manage to take cover from it and sort of uh, get out of its uh, er- its area of effect within you. And uh, you just see this sort of energy pop where you once stood. Now that spiritual weapon, he moves that... Okay, uh, so he moves that forward, and he's going to go to attack you, Sai. Okay. Oh my lord, these rolls are really bad right now. Yay! Um, so that's a, uh, um, what's his spell casting? That's a six? Does a six hit? <laughs> no, it does not. Jesus, so Sai, locked in battle with the one uh, cultist. You see this purple glowing spiritual weapon point down at you and start carving its path through the air at you, and... <laughs> Effortlessly, you almost like matrix to the best of your uh, old knees can afford out of the way of this sword and rear back to face this uh, cultist once again. It is a really impressive back bend for a 62 year old. For his yes. age, it is impressive. It is. And then we have Breeze up. Can I try to speak with the cultist before I attack him? Sure. Okay. I want to try to speak telepathically to the cultist and ask him. Do you have Verna? He he replies in a sort of uh, grumbled yell, Who's Verna? Okay. Bree just shakes her head and she is going to cast another firebolt at him. Totally. And uh, so I'll have you roll for that attack. Um, as he says, Who's Verna? As you're about to like sort of log off of that telepathic communication, he says, Oh yeah, we have Verna locked up and she's as you begin to try to start to kind of mentally screw with you, but um, you just broke the connection with them. I, um, that's a 22 to hit. Oh yeah, that was smacking good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that is... Four damage. Four damage. And then... Can I reach him with my spiritual weapon? Yep, totally. Okay. So I'm going to attack him with my spiritual weapon. And that is, does a 14 hit? Yes, it does. Okay. That is eight damage. All right, how do you want to finish him? Oh. (laughs) 
I am just going to, with my, um, the magical sword that I created, I am going to just slice his head off. I'm going to decapitate him. Oh my god, so you launch this green firebolt of energy at him. It smacks him in the left shoulder, and as he goes to come back to look at you, your, uh, what, what weapon was it? A sword. This green sword flies through the air and in one sweeping arc just effortlessly slices through his neck and it, it topples off of his shoulders as his two parts crumple to the ground. Now I want to turn and look behind me and see what Sai is doing and if I can help him at all. Yeah, so he's still face to face um, with uh, one of the cultists and you see a, a purple sword behind him that immediately dissipates uh, after you cut off the head of the uh, cult leader, the cult fanatic. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to start heading over closer to Sai. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't take much. You move about 10 feet and now uh, you're going to be helping Sai with that cultist there. And uh, remember, I'm, I'm going to be using the flanking rule. So if you go to make any melee attacks um, and you're on either side of the enemy, um, you'll be rolling with advantage. Cool. Perfect. And after Bree, we have Lena. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So Lena is staring down the king holding the shard and with this crazy woman creature who's got him in his clutches, correct? Yeah, right now uh, she's probably about uh, 35 feet away, I would say. They're about 35 feet away? Yeah, 35 feet away. Okay. Lena is going to put her great axe back, run up fairly close to them while staying somewhat hidden <laughs> and she's she wants to try to get the king to drop the shard so that she can go and grab it so she's gonna take out another javelin and try to <laughs> chuck it at his hand <laughs> to try and get him to drop it and then either on her next turn because she can only move 30 feet so she won't be able to pick it up but she's hoping he will drop it Okay, uh, so uh, I'll yeah. set a DC for that. Make an attack roll for me. Okay, keeping with my consistently low rolls, that is... Oh, that's a 12. 12. So you whip a javelin, and it soars through the air, and it's hard to say hidden right now because there there is a lot going along, and there's that's a lot fair. of attention that's divided. Fair. Yeah. But uh, this javelin soars past the king and lands in the leg of this uh, large demon woman. Lovely. And, her, and as she's looking at the king, she looks in your direction. She looks in your direction, she looks down at the javelin, and she looks back in your direction, and you make out this, like, she has this veil of barbed wire, but between as it's moving, you see these, like, piercing orange fiery eyes on this, like, sort of seductive smooth face looking at you. Uh, first off, it hit her. Yeah, You said it hit her in the leg. Yeah. If you care about it, that's a whole five damage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, so she's looking at her, and Lena decides in abysmal, she says, let me take the shard. I need the shard. As she says, as you say that, the next thing she does is she responds saying, you wouldn't even know what to do with it if you had it. And she rips the King of Bidens in half. No! The shard drops. <laughs> what? And she bends down, picks up the shard, and teleports away. Wow. You see her immediately teleport back onto the stage. 
She's on the stage? Yeah, she teleports oh, back on okay. the stage right in front of that portal. Okay. Um, I'm also gonna add, when she looked at you and spoke, um, she actually seemed taken aback for a second. You felt this sort of strange energy between you two. Okay. Lena just starts looking around wildly, trying to find where she is. So now where you're at, you're about uh, 25 feet away to your left. You notice there are a, f- a couple others who are fighting some cultists and they seem to actually be doing well. Um, the, the soldiers and people who've been fighting this whole time, they're falling and they're quite at equal with these cultists, but uh, there are a couple people who really stand out to be cutting it above the rest. And uh, it's a halfling and a uh, human wizard looking person. Mm. Gotcha. At this point, most of the cultists have fallen. Most of the people have uh, fled the scene. What's left mainly is the fray going on between the wizard and the cleric halfling. And um, there are a couple other cultists around. Okay. Next up, we have Sai. Okay. Um, have I seen any the stuff that's going on with the shard? Uh, I'm going to say since you've been kind of locked in combat with um, so, no. the cult fanatic, the cultists, um, not necessarily, not, you haven't been watching it. With but I kind of know something's going on to, in my peripheral vision kind of thing. Yeah, you know there's a okay. big demon woman and you know that, but uh, you you see that like she took the shard and she ripped the king gotcha. in half. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, all right, but this, there's this cultist coming towards me, right? And oh, how yeah. far he's away like, is he? He's like right in front of you, um, within the five feet melee range. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'm actually going to use Maximilian's Earthen Grasp, which is a spell that allows me to conjure a, or uh, transmute, a, uh, a hand from compa- compacted soil, and it grabs onto the cultist. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I don't have to roll for that. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I conjure this hand, and it grabs onto the cultist, and the cultist has to make a strength saving throw. Strength, uh-oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Is that a uh-oh for him or uh-oh for me? Uh-oh for him. Uh-huh. He rolled a 14. Ah, and it's against the spell save DC? Yep. He fails. All right. So, so there and there's damage that goes with this. Um, target takes two d6 bludgeoning damage. So oh, nice, a six plus a one. So seven bludgeoning damage. So it's like an earthen hand, like it's made of soil. Yeah, it's like an earthen hand grabbing onto his ankle or something like that. So it emerges from the soil between the cobblestone streets and just grabs onto yes. his leg and squeezing as hard as it can with its magical energy. And then next up we have that cultist. Well, he's gonna make his uh, most likely last attack. Ooh, uh, dirty 20s. Oh, mm-hmm. So that'll be a eight slashing damage. To me? Yes. Okay. There's really nobody else around. There's like one other cultist who's like running toward you guys and running toward that sort of portal. He's behind you. He's more toward that the back of this area and running forward, so he can't really do too, too much. Other than that, uh, everyone's either deceased or have uh, run off. So next up, we'll be back at the top of initiative. Velvet, as you're watching the scene, you see as there are many bodies on the floor, both cultists, soldiers, and many more civilians than the other two. Uh, you see a cultist running toward the group that is still fighting. He's about uh, 20 feet away from you as he runs by your wooden shack that you've... Oh no, you you need to get up there first. Yes. Okay. So, so you got there, uh, make an acrobatics check for me. Wonderful. 
Uh, that is 21. Oh, yeah, piece of cake. <laughs> I, I literally, like, run up the, the like, little counter part, do a backflip, and kick off the counter, and, like, reach onto the top and pull myself up. <laughs> nice. Just so good. Yeah, it's like my, my black hair, like, flows. And I turn around now. Um, sleep is technically still activated, because it's, it's a minute long. Okay. So, uh, what were the hit points of the last guy that I put to sleep? Nine. Does the guy running have nine hit points as well? Yep. Wonderful. <laughs> so, because I have to subtract them every time, basically, from what I rolled. Yeah. So, so that, that basically uses them all up. And I strike one more chord, and he just hears a voice in his head going... My psychopath friend, you need to sleep because you have a weird face. <laughs> and you see him take uh, one running step, one running step, one running step, and rather that, that slow sleep, he immediately on that final step, his legs just give out, and he slides on his face like three feet along the cobblestone and just collapses across. <laughs> I, as my bonus action, I stare at the, uh, so I can see the, the, the two of them fighting, right? I can see the wizard and the half yep, and the, Yeah, they're fighting uh, one cultist. Uh, awesome. So I'm actually going to strike um, uh, a chord and I'm going to shout out to them in like my like dulcet tones. Hang in there, my friends. There's only one left. And I'm going to use my bardic inspiration to help them out. Oh, cool. I love it. Um, so awesome. you, you only get to choose one of them. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to use the... They're going to get the... Sorry, what are my options, Avery? I'm looking at the thing right here. Creature gains one bardic inspiration die. So can I give them that? Yep, yep. Uh, cool. So I, I give them both one d6. So you can only give one die to one player. You can't give it to both. Oh. Oh, actually, then, in that case, sorry. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Then I'm just going to give it... I feel like I probably saw the wizard first because of where I am. So I'm going to give it to the wizard. Okay. And it's a Woo. d8. Uh, D6. D6. So, Sai, on your turn, um, you can mm -hmm. add a D6 to any ability check, any attack roll, or any saving throw. Okay. You, you hear these, like, melodic tones enter your ear, and you don't know exactly where it's coming from. All you know is that it feels like a warm embrace in your mind, and your uh, aging muscles seem to be invigorated a little bit, and you gain a little bit of strength. Oh, it's like a warm hug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Bree. Okay. So um, at this point, there's one cultist that you're facing who's right in front of Sai and right in front of you there. I am going to cast Sacred Flame on it. Okay. Um, so he needs to make a dexterity saving throw. And he failed, <laughs> for sure. Okay. <laughs> that was a six on the roll, so it's not getting much higher than that. Okay, so he is going to take three radiant damage. Three radiant damage? Yes. All right. And then I w want to attack him again with my spiritual weapon. So your, your radiant damage is actually going to do it. So oh, okay. I'm going to <laughs> nice. uh, finish him as well. Okay. Yeah. So this flame is just going to, this emerald green flame is going to completely engulf him. And he begins just... to run around and he's screaming from this fire and he drops his weapon as it becomes too much. And 
<laughs> Sai, you're not sure if the warmth was from the melodic tone or the fire right in front of you at this point. All you know the is that... Ro- roasted cultist, yeah. yeah. All you know is that it feels good that it's happening. <laughs> and uh, he runs around for a couple moments until he just collapses to the ground. The emerald green flames uh, dissipate from the air, and uh, he's left with all these burn marks all over his body. In the last moments, as you're looking toward the green portal, you see that the large demon woman looks at the shard and simply exits through the portal. Nothing more. And the portal goes away. In this moment of darkness, the sun begins to emerge once again from behind the moon, the solar eclipse waning away. As the light pours back onto the city and back onto the scene, you you see the full damage really caused by the attack. There are buildings that uh, took damage and have parts of them that fell through, but mainly just the sheer number of bodies that are lying around this open space and the blood that's pouring through the cracks gently of the cobblestone street. Uh, Especially you, Velvet, what you see around you is you're standing on the hill of a massacre. Soldiers, cultists as well, but mainly civilians. It's There's many, many people, um, including the King of Bidens, uh, cut in half, seemingly toward the center of the space. There are a few guards left around, and they're, they're tending to these civilians that are left and uh, civilians that got injured. But you see the King of Ice in Port, who was in a ball next to the stage, just uh, trying to make himself as small as possible, looks around, and he just kind of stands up and lets out a breath and, and begins walking around uh, seeing who's left. Lena runs up to the stage where the portal was. She just looks at the empty stage and she just, she kind of just sighs heavy and she grabs her axe and she goes, no, and then just like smacks it into the <laughs> great axe into the stage just out of frustration. As the king's looking around, he notices the four of you seem to be the only ones really standing uh, around still. And he approaches uh, you and he asks Lena, he asks for you all to come to him uh, to speak. She kind of wedges out her great axe and turns around and takes out her ribbon. So her hair kind of falls in front of her face again and she slowly kind of walks towards him. This king, um, he, he has long brown hair that is uh, sort of graying and it has these nice waves to it, a very defined, well-trimmed beard and a nose that's a little too big for his face. And he, But he's white as a sheet right now as he's just staring around at the massacre that just occurred, or that he only heard <laughs> since he was covering his eyes the entire time. He, he looks to the king of Bidens, cut in half, and he looks to you guys and he says, Thank you. Thank you for doing what you could. Hey, I can't believe something like this happened. This was supposed to be a joyous occasion. How could this have happened? To be honest, this is like the third worst after concert party I've been to, so. Uh-oh. M- Mr. Mr. Smoothcords. I'm very glad you're alive. It would have been a shame to have lost you in such an event. I quite agree. <laughs> Thank you for your work here. Thank you for helping. <laughs> um, in this moment, uh, Eric, um, Velvet, uh, you see crawling up from the ground and covered in blood, holding a dagger, is the boy that you gave the dagger to. <laughs> and he just has this 
he has no expression on his face. He just walks over to you, and he looks at you, Velvet. Um, he's a little taller than you, and he looks down to you, and you can see that the blood is fresh and still dripping from his chin. And he says, I don't want to be a musician anymore. I found my calling. As he looks at the dagger and kind of just twirls it in his hand. Thank mm. you. Mm. And he just begins to like <laughs> solemnly and silently walk away, stepping over bodies as he goes with no second thought to his actions. Violet just, uh, uh, Violet, God, sorry. <laughs> Velvet just thinks, <laughs> I love making dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> The king, with like a quizzical look on his face, he he opens his mouth to speak, and then he kind of just shakes his head and furrows his brow, dismissing the the attempt at that conversation. Um, he looks around, and he says, Events such as this have only been heard of in legend, and the legends passed down through my family. Have, it, it is written of s- similar beings such as her, but I, I fear to believe it's true. And and Sai uh, kind of speaks up and says, similar beings, so this has happened before. Not this specific event, but somewhat. And, and who, who was that creature? Many hundreds of thousands of years ago, there was the Great War, as I'm sure you've all heard at least legend of. Now, yes, yes, I've read about that. Now, the tales of this great war, many, many have been lost to the passing of time, but what we do know is that the war was to oppose these terrible forces coming from the abyss, these, these demonic, terrible creatures, and their hope was to awaken this, this monster of unimaginable strength and ferocity and animosity, and only by... Uniting the eight kingdoms of this world were we able to put an end to it. The shard that was supposed to be passed on to the king, and he looks away from the king's body, was one of the shards of the Great War. One of eight pieces, which it is fabled the, the ferocious beast that abyssal monster was bound to, divided into eight pieces and sent to the opposite corners of the world. Where is where are the other pieces? With the other kingdoms in various places, the closest ones are uh, the kingdom of Losherton and the kingdom of Elysia. That woman, I'm not sure exactly who she could be, but I fear that she may be a follower of this evil monster. Listen, I I, I gotta ask, did you ever just think of, I don't know, throwing the crystal pieces in a volcano? (laughs) You know, gone, goodbye, adios. He looks at you and he actually looks angry. Oh. (laughs) And what, to release the rage of war on this land as it almost once was? Yeesh, yeesh, man. You know, you gotta learn how to take constructive criticism here. Okay, anyway, I, oh, I think I hear my name. He kind of like turns around and starts to. (laughs) Before before you go, I must, I must ask this favor of you. I know I have no right to ask, but I must since you are the only ones who seem capable of facing such horrors. Now, all the kingdoms over time divided and they went their separate ways but the human kingdoms have maintained somewhat of a healthy relationship with the halfling kingdom of Losherton 
I, I must ask that you travel to Loshuten and you speak to the queen of Loshuten and uh, here, I will provide a letter for you and I, I must ask that you check on the kingdom and check that the shard there is still safe and that perhaps they could come and we could speak of actions to take next and preparations for the future, if my greatest fears are to be realized. Sai kind of nods in agreement and looks over and he sees Velvet kind of maybe not looking so sure. <laughs> Making oh, he's, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, this whole time, this whole time he's just been... Friend, <laughs> friend, friend, speak up. What, what, what are you thinking? I, no offense, you guys look, you look great. I mean, I'm looking at the silhouette. What heroes love it? However, I kind of just got out of a band gig and kind of doing my own solo career, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it would really throw off my song cycle, Velvety Smooth. That's really hitting, hitting, hitting the tours. And I, I got stuff oh, to do, you know? Uh, but Velvet, v- Velvet, Velvet uh, Smooth Chords? Yes, that's my name. Don't wear it out. You got to buy me a new one. <laughs> oh, oh, I love your music. I listen to it all the time. It is, it is, it is pretty awesome, I know. It <laughs> I know. is. Oh my goodness. Oh, I never thought I'd actually meet you in person. You know, I get that literally every single day. <laughs> oh, I bet you do. Brain just looks very hand. confused. I, I, I uh, Lena pipes up from the back. She says, I, I agree with whoever that gnome is. I work alone. I, I, I'd like to leave, please. Ah, another oh. solo artist, I see. Okay, she oh. gets it. She gets it. Oh, but friends, friends, this this is 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 a, is a journey. It's an adventure for us, and and this is this is for all of our benefits. Uh, if if we don't save this world, then well, there won't be a stage for you to perform in, and and you won't be able to do whatever you do. He's saying this to to Lena. That's my business, not yours. I can pay you handsomely. Okay, well, hold on. Let's hear the mat out for a second. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, how much? What are you talking here? I imagine that Velvet took a step uh, walking away, and as soon as you said money, the next step was directly back towards the king. (laughs) (laughs) A a king's reward, please. uh, To ensure the shard is safe and to bring the queen of Losherton here. I, I I can pay gold, I can pay land, I can pay... Whatever you may require within reason. Hmm. Bree speaks to the king telepathically and she asks, could it be a favor? He, he kind of looks around for a moment. He says, sorry, was that you, little one? And she nods. What favor do you ask? And telepathically she says to him, I'm looking for a halfling named Verna. She went missing about a week ago. And you wish me to find her? Yes. It would be much appreciated. If you can bring... If you fulfill my end of the bargain, I don't see a problem in fulfilling yours. I can send out a search team. Some of my best riders, I can send them on horses in four directions and see if they can scour the land for this... this Verna. Telepathically, she says to the king, thank you. And then... Very quietly, but verbally, she says to the group, I'm from near Losherton. I could take us there. 
Your Majesty, do you have any beach villas by any chance? Uh, we are on the sh shore of the the Great Lake. I'm sure we could find somewhere to uh, prop up your your villa. Amazing, and I'm I, I'm a bit I'm a bit of a barbecue fan, so so we're gonna need a slow roaster back there. If you can do that, you got I'm yourself sure a hot he, deal. He puts up a hand, <laughs> very low to match in front of your face, and he says, "I'm sure we can come to an arrangement that will both that we will both be happy with." All right, but no flies during the summer. I hate those things. He shakes his hand vigorously with a big smile. <laughs> uh, he turns to you, Lena. He says, so you work alone. Will you help this group or? She waits a moment to see if she hears anything in her head. The scratching kind of grows at the top of your spine, the back of your head. And um, the, the grovelly voice just repeats, I, uh, I guess for this one task, I can be a team player. <laughs> Excellent! <laughs> Excellent friends! I love how happy-go-lucky Sai is. He's just like... Oh. Uh, such a oh, he's just man. loving life. Yeah. He's been looking for an adventure, and here, what, here it is, falling into his lap. <laughs> Amazing. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> the king says, "Wonderful, wonderful. I, I will retreat. I will retreat to the castle for a moment to write the queen a letter. And in the meantime, I suggest you get acquainted. It will be a bit of a journey ahead." Indeed. And uh, he he walks to the castle, um, and he'll be returning momentarily. And you guys are left amongst the <laughs> bodies and bloody massacre in full daylight, and you can see <laughs> what was the solar um, eclipse festival. Okay, so okay. I'm thinking that we call ourselves Velvet and the Cushions. What do you think? Uh, why, why Velvet? What's Velvet about? Yeah. <laughs> Vel Velvet's jaw almost hits the fucking floor. <laughs> You've never heard of like... Velvet? Velvet smooth chords. I'm I'm totally fanboying over yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Rachel telepathically speaks to Velvet? And just, yes. Who are you? And in the meantime, Sai is going through the pockets of all the cultists. Not not the not the citizens, but I'm I'm looking for some gold in the cultist pockets. Oh, cool! Make a investigation check. Alrighty, that would be an eighteen. Eighteen. All right. So I'll yes. say you find sixteen. No, sorry. Um, four gold. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the, uh, the bit of uh, big difference there, but I forgot we're, we're using a much wider range of uh, currency here. <laughs> Gold is uh, okay. not cheap. I'll take it. From Bree's question, uh, sir, do I answer you back telepathically or do I talk out loud? My understanding is that uh, you can choose either. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So uh, he's going to talk out loud, and he goes, Who am I? Surely you've heard of Velvet Smooth Chords. I, I have written many, many hits, such as Bone in My Side and Coconut Love and Summer with My Thumb. Clearly you've heard of one of them. <laughs> Bree just looks very confused, and she shakes her head no. But, but, but uh, hmm. Are you a singer? I don't know, you tell me. Is that a, is that a, I'm sorry, is that a yes? <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, that's, that's, that's nice. <clears throat> so, so, so seriously, 
Summer with my thumb, no. Is that... Why is there a thumb? I'm sorry, I, uh... I, I, and she kind of, like... Dragonborn goes, a dragonborn goes to town. Elf on a I, shelf. No, none of these. No. Maybe to... I'm sorry, maybe to hear it. And she's twisting her hair just kind of with one of her hands. Kind of uncomfortable with this person just <laughs> staring at her. <laughs> So Sai, Sai kind of takes this moment of, of awkwardness and, and decides to introduce himself. He goes, well, friends, let me introduce myself. My name is Sai Argatha. What is your name, friend? And he turns to um, Bree. And very quietly but verbally, she says, my name's Bree Underbow. Bree, nice to meet you. How has your day been going so far other than this little battle? <laughs> she kind of shakes her head and says... Not as good as I was hoping it to be. Hmm. Yes, well, I hope it gets better for you. Certainly going on an adventure will make it better. Uh, what about you? The and points to uh, Lena. What is your name, friend? Uh, it's Lena. And my Lena. Name's, my name's Lena. Yeah, hi, and she kind of gives an awkward wave to everybody. Okay. And of course we know you, Velvet. Well, who doesn't? Clearly not these two. <laughs> well, right? Yes, okay. Not don't them, don't but, uh... don't you worry. They'll we have plenty of time to learn all the material because we're gonna have to hit this. Like have you heard of the Von Fapp family singers? They're 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 quite good and, and we need to be mm-hmm. like them. We could really, really go places. Come on, let's go everyone. Lots to do. Training, come on, come, come, come. I don't wanna be a part of the Velvet Slow Chords group, thank you. <laughs> Telepathically, Bree says to Velvet, "I don't sing." <laughs> and and Sai kind of kind of leans over and says, "Well, I've been known to sing a few harmonies, so maybe you and I can sing a duet sometime." Okay, but 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 you only take harmonies, not melodies. Cool. Okay, sounds good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, this is this is this has been nice talking. But which way do we do we head out? Oh, we have to wait for the king, I guess. Mm. Yes. There is need time. that letter. Does anyone know where the nearest brothel is? I could really uh, stretch my legs before we go. <laughs> and in that moment, the king emerges from the castle, <laughs> makes his way down the stairs, hops off the stage, and has come up to you guys. He's holding an envelope which has a handwritten letter in it, and it's sealed with wax. And on that seal, there is a an anchor with a compass behind it. You know this to be the symbol of Isenport. He says, I've made arrangements for a horse-drawn wagon to be waiting out front for you to help you on your way to Losherton. Please, if you feel the need to rest, uh, spend the night, but leave as soon as you can come morning. Very good, sir. Telepathically, Bree says to him, thank you. Your kindness is much appreciated. And he he returns the compliment saying, your kindness may be remembered. What's the brothel situation? The king? Uh, roll perception for me. <laughs> um, yeah, Bree starts kind of inching her way a little bit further away from Velvet when he says that. <laughs> that is six, 16. 16? The paleness of the king's face has subsided a bit. He has a bit more natural uh, color, but he grows extra red blushed, and his eyes like look side to side, and he's like, <clears throat> I don't know really about that uh, part of town. Um, I, I wouldn't know. I, I don't know. Your face says otherwise, your highness. Right, but if you didn't know, in what direction wouldn't you know, you know? He kind of just looks around and he sees that it's mainly he's like, well, no secrets amongst the dead. And he points in the eastern direction. 
Eastern. Okay. Velvet bows really low and goes, Your Majesty, we shall return with some brand new material, so keep that stage warm, okay? Okay. And he looks to the stage that is still slightly sin- like singed and the embers are glowing of the wood from those fire blasts, <laughs> and he lets out a very dry... <laughs> and you guys begin making your way uh, toward the eastern part of town. Uh, at this okay. point, the town is really, really deserted. There, are people, everyone's left town or has retreated to their homes. So, but the town is untouched. Besides that central part, the stalls are left empty. Um, it's a bit of a ghost town. Is there the meat tent still? open? As, yes, as, it is. It is still open. The barrels are there and uh, there's nobody oh. really overseeing it. Excuse me. I'm gonna duck in here for a second. <laughs> so I, I go into the tent and what does the meat come in? Is it a tankard or is it a glass or? So yeah, it, there are the big barrels and they have taps on them and then it comes in a tankard. A, uh, tankard. Uh, yeah, so I a grab a tankard and I fill my uh, tankard full of mead and it's overflowing and I just start drinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I worked off a lot of calories there, so. And what would the I... rest of the group like to be doing? Velvet's gonna head to the brothel. Okay, and uh, the other two? Lena's gonna stare down at Bree, and she just stares a little too long at first, not really saying anything, and then she finally, twisting her hair, kind of says, I saw you out in the battle. You were, you were brave. Bree verbally says to her, Thank you. You have, a uh, magic. Yes. I... I know some spells. You held your own. I was impressed. I'm happy to be going on this journey with a brave adventurer such as yourself. Bree notices the great axe on Lena's back and nods and says, It looks like you may be pretty helpful on this journey as well. She gives a half smile and is... Yeah, I hold my own, and I don't stray from a fight. Bree looks at her and says, that's good to know. And just then, from the tent, Sai says, Oh, where are my manners? Ladies, would you like a, a tankard of mead too? I'll, let, I'll have a little. Just just a little. I uh, don't have the, the best uh, experiences with alcohol. Hmm. And you! And he says to, said this to Bree. What is mead? Oh, you've never heard of mead. Ah, uh, well, I'm going to get you a tankard full of... I, I, You have to try this. This is delicious mead. So he grabs three tankards full of mead and comes out and gives it to uh, Bree and Lena. I say that we have a toast to our new, new, new group, our new adventuring group, and to the battle that we just won. I'll drink to that. All right. There we are. And we <laughs> kind of toast. Clink. <laughs> and he kind of like puts his tankard up to, to clink with uh, Bree's glass. Bree follows his lead. All right. And then starts. he just starts drinking, chugging it down. All right. So in the meantime, as you guys are drinking in the tent, uh, the three of you alone, we have Velvet uh, making his way toward the brothel. And it's called, it's just simply called Buddies. <laughs> now is that y apostrophe s or i e s y apostrophe s okay so you make your way into the brothel 
everything is very plush when you walk in. It's carpeted in red. It's very much speaks to. It's like your name if it was furniture and mm. decor. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's actually empty. Hello. Hello. Nobody seems to answer. The, there are doors that are open. It seems that actually nobody's in the brothel right now. Is there a clear bar that I can see in the area? Yeah, uh, there's a bar and they have some bottles of wine in stock behind it as well as a cask of mead. He crawls up on the bar and grabs the finest bottle of wine that he can find and he pops the cork off with his, with his teeth and starts kind of gently enjoying the beverage as he walks and begins to search the, the brothel, I think. Sure, uh, so roll perception for me. Absolutely. That is a nat 20. Nat 20. <laughs> Boom. Nice. So as you're searching the brothel, you go through the rooms and you see the various themes to them. You walk by one room and it seems like the softest room. Everything seems extra plushy and nice Ooh. and feathered. Another room seems much more cold and stone-like. It's almost dungeon-esque with a wooden table with these metal clamps on it. Oh um, yeah, he thinks. Oh yeah. You walk by another room and it seems to just be a storeroom with janitorial items, uh, mops, brooms, and whatnot. And as you're walking by that room, you notice that under a shelving, a wooden shelving unit, uh, there is a trap door with a latch. Ooh. <laughs> he like looks around just to make sure that there's 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 nobody here as he can, he can barely contain his excitement he's like i've never met a trap door that i do not enjoy and he pulls the lever you open the hatch and it's unlocked and it seems to lead into a dark cellar amazing i'm gonna use my dancing lights cantrip and i send out four torch size lights within the range and i kind of want them to kind of twirl around me to make a 10 foot radius of light cool so you make your way down this wooden ladder leading into the cellar and as your lights twirl around you they illuminate various toys of sort we'll say that are very extreme borderline you almost feel like this room could be a torture room Ooh. but there are whips with like little small metal pieces on on the ends as well there is even like fire poker with a brand on the end that is a pair of lips so it seems like Ooh. you've stumbled upon like a little hidden secret room that is Ooh. very extreme in its themes. Oh um, dear. Okay. Do I see anything that looks valuable? Make another perception roll for me. Cool. 17. 17? What does pique your interest is a decorated knife. That seems sort of like an envelope opener. Um, oh. It's a very thin blade with um, small strands of gold running down the hilt. Ho oh, ho! Hello there! Gorgeous! He's gonna pocket it inside his silver and green doublet that he's wearing. Okay, so uh, I'll have you name that as Vasectomy Knife. <laughs> okay! Okie dokie. So he, he's gonna get back up from the trapdoor and because it's it's empty, he's going to take his bottle of wine and he's going to find the comfiest bed that he can find. And he's going to go in that room. If it has a window, does it have a window? Yep. Amazing. So he's going to pop open the window and sit on the window sill. And he kind of just surveys the, the embers still burning in the town. And now that he's alone, he kind of, his smile fades away and he kind of drops his head down and just thinks of all of the all of the dead bodies that he saw and he kind of starts to hyperventilate a little bit and he kind of calms himself down and he begins to to write a song about the the, the dead 
and mm. uh, he just kind of starts fiddling away with his lyre, uh, humming to himself. Awesome. So I'll say you made your way to that first plush room that you saw. It mm. seems the perfect place to lay your head down for a rest. And that's where we'll leave you. Um, the, cool. uh, the other three, um, since, Sai, you're familiar with this town, you know there's a tavern and slash inn nearby called Lenny's Tavern. And it's your favorite tavern because it just seems to have a sort of welcoming charm that's a little bit of a cut above the rest. Of and uh, it it's is, starting yes. to grow to nighttime as, uh, as uh, evening is, is setting and uh, the sun is glowing that orange, turning to red, and it's starting to turn into night. So it's getting dark, and then I say, I say to, to the others, I say, Friends, would you like to join me at, a, at one of my favorite taverns? Are you hungry? Do you, do you want to eat? I, I mean, I, I could eat. I'm pretty hungry. It's been a... It's kind of skipped oh. lunch. Oh, you, you have to try the, the, the beef stew here. Oh, it is absolutely divine. How about you? Would, would you like to join us? I would like some food, but will there be many people there? Oh, well... It's, it's always hopping, <laughs> but, but you know what? There's a little area over in the corner and I bet we can go grab a table there. I get it. People are annoying sometimes. That, that would be nice. <laughs> I, I'm not used to being around many people. Very well. If that's what you'd like, let's go. Let's, let's do that. So I uh, take them. Um, what, what's the tavern called? Lenny's? Lenny's. Yeah. Lenny's, Lenny's tavern. Okay. Lenny's tavern. <laughs> so you begin uh, making your way uh, through the still mainly empty town to Lenny's Tavern. The tavern is, uh, it just, it doesn't seem like anything too special on the outside. It just has a sign on the outside made of metal that says Lenny's. And um, it, it is actually hopping, as you did describe. Um, even though the rest of the town is quite silent, those that kind of need uh, a drink to forget about the events of the day have already made their way to Lenny's. And it seems like the party's slowly starting to kind of pick back up as you guys enter. There's a nice warm fire, and there's plenty of tables. Uh, there's more people sitting and just eating and talking rather than dancing on the dance floor. And um, there's a bar to your right, uh, fireplaces to the left, kind of near to the dance floor as well. And uh, there's plenty of open space for you guys. And uh, there's you do see a corner, in fact, where um, there aren't too many people around. Bree's okay. kind of tensed up a bit, and she's just looking around at everyone as they're walking through the tavern. <laughs> Okay, and I notice that, and I say, "Oh, no worries. We are all friends here. This is a. These are great people. Uh, where would you like to sit?" And um, I kind of motion over to the corner, suggesting the the table in the corner. They're all I, tables. Just it's just fine. Just pick one. And Lena's starting to feel a little <laughs> bit tipsy, something she doesn't normally allow herself to feel, and she looks around the tavern to try and find the strongest dude. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Okay. Uh, Roll perception for me. Oh my god, what is it with these rolls? Uh, 11. 11? So, uh, since you're not used to being tipsy, you, you do see someone of mod- who looks like pretty burly built. And uh, it seems to be a... You actually see a dwarf sitting at a table. And he's just sitting uh, with his friends, uh, enjoying a drink. And uh, he, he seems to be muscular. She walks up, doesn't even introduce herself, and points to him and says, You, sir! You look strong. I would like to do an arm wrestle with you, please. The dwarf puts down her mug, turns around, and you see that it is actually a, a female dwarf and says, Who is Colin, sir? I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm really, it was just confused <laughs> from the angle. It just looked a little different. I'm, I'm, uh, I would like to arm wrestle you, please, now. Yes. If you don't mind, I've had a really trying day, so I'd rather just enjoy a drink in peace. And she My turns person- back around. 
She kind of like <laughs> tries to calm the the pull in her stomach that she gets, and she says, "Please, ma'am, I I am str- strong." And she goes and just gives her a little shove on the shoulder. Oh my god! <laughs> the dwarf immediately stands up on the bench, turns to you, and is face to face with you, and says, "Tell you what." Let's up the ante a little bit. Instead of a, an arm wrestle, why don't we just have a fist fight right here? I mean, if you'd like to, that's cool. Go ahead, you can hit me first. Um, no, uh... Come on, hit me! That doesn't seem right, ma'am. And other people are starting to turn around now in the bar and look, <laughs> and look, and uh, it's fallen more silent. Ma'am, I think it's best if we you just you sit down on your stool and we arm wrestle like ladies. She punches you in the face. <laughs> uh, so you're gonna take um, four bludgeoning damage. Sorry, sorry, how much is that, Avery? I was laughing. Four. Four, okay. Bree runs over and tries to pull Lena back over to her and Sai. No, no. And she just starts breathing really, really hard, and she's trying really hard to ignore the pull in her stomach Telepathically, and the she's starting to feel. <laughs> telepathically, Bree's going to speak to Lena and say, you're going to get yourself hurt. Go over to the table and get she, some food. She turns around, even though she said it telepathically, puts a finger to her mouth and goes, shh, <laughs> and turns back to the dwarven woman. Come on, hit me. It's your turn. Hmm. <laughs> You insist, and she goes and punches her really hard in the face. So, uh, roll to attack for me. <laughs> There's good rolls. 24. 24? Oh, yeah. So, roll the damage on that. Um, with your fists. That'd be like a D, D4? D6? Yeah, let, uh, let me look it up for you. Oh, fireball music! <laughs> <laughs> I hear it. So, an unarmed strike. Oh, okay, so the damage is one plus your strength modifier. Uh, okay, five. Five. So you reel back and just punch her right back in the face. And immediately her friends at the table stand up as well. Uh, these other humans that are uh, were enjoying a drink. And they start to come around the table to uh, join her. But the dwarf woman one's like, no, she's mine! And she's gonna I was back. stronger. I was stronger. You all saw. Bree's going to turn to Sai and telepathically say to him, we need to get her out of this. Uh, yeah. I, and I, I say back to her, this is the first time you're you're talking to me, right? Uh, telepathically, yes. Telepathically, okay. So um, I kind of look surprised, like, where is this coming from? And then I and then I go, uh, yes, yes, I, I think that's probably a good idea. Maybe, perhaps uh, food will wait. Come on, come on, I'm ready. We are wrestled now. She's going to go to swing at you, and uh, she actually swings wildly, missing you. (laughs) She just laughs. And this pisses off the dwarf even more. Oh, she, uh, she laughs and says, okay, no arm wrestle needed. I see what you're capable of. Have a nice meal, (laughs) ma'am. She turns around (laughs) to leave. You turn around and you come face to face with a, a human man. He's bald and he's holding and he's wearing an apron and he says, what is going on here? We have been fight free for three weeks now and you just come in here and pick a fight with some random dwarf. Hey, listen, I, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, please, uh, your drinks are on me for tonight. 
My drinks. Oh. Not you. <laughs> he, was, he was looking at the dwarven woman. I was just trying to do a friendly arm wrestle, and she would not, and she punched me in the face. Everyone here saw. Well, why don't you just take a and, nice, friendly exit out of my bar? Oh. And I, and I come, I, I walk up to the two of them, because uh, I know this guy. What's his name? Is he Lenny? Yeah, you you know Lenny of Lenny's, um, Lenny's Tavern. <laughs> okay. You guys are good friends, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so I come up to them, and I go, Lenny, Lenny, Lenny. Uh, I'm sorry. This this is all my fault. This is my new friend, Lena. And, uh, well... Uh, we just met today, and uh, I thought I'd take her to, to have some of your delicious beef stew. I did not know that, uh, well, uh, me does a little something to this lady. But if you don't mind, I can take her over uh, to the table, and I promise to you, I promise you that, that she will be no more problems. I proved my point. I'll be fine with some stew. Yes, stew. A friend of size is a friend of Lenny's. You're welcome to stay so long as you don't cause any more interruptions. Ah, thank you, good man. Everyone's had a trying <laughs> enough day as it is. Mm, indeed, indeed. Were you there, Sai? I was, indeed. It was a horrible scene. It must have been. Many people mm. who are drinking here tonight have lost family members and friends. Uh, in, yes, yes. Uh, horrible, horrible. If you want, I'm, I'm offering free rooms for anybody who needs it tonight um, because of the events, so do you need lodging? Do you, friends? Do you need lodging? <laughs> I can sleep outside under a tree. Oh, nonsense. We have a nice warm room here at the tavern. Why don't you, why don't you to sleep, why don't you sleep here? Bree speaks telepathically to Sai and said, lodging would be very much appreciated, thank you. And I kind of nod to, to Bree. I'll take the lodging. Sure. Excellent. Okay, but first we eat. And I kind of tap my belly. <laughs> And you guys sit down, and you're presented with your meals, and I'm going to say that the night passes on more uneventfully now, as Lena is keeping tabs on her rage and uh, trying very hard not to cause any more disturbances, I would assume. <laughs> Bree enjoys yeah. her meals. Sai talks probably the most out of everybody. Uh, oh, carry, yes, he Carrying does. 90% <laughs> of the conversation, and um, you guys stay in the tavern as people start to filter out and return to their homes or return to their villages farther away. Lenny mm -hmm. leads you guys to your rooms where you will spend the night. And that is where we will end, end tonight's session. Yay! <laughs> nice. Great job, baby. Looking to immerse your players with some quality ambience? Then check out the YouTube channel Sword Coast Soundscapes, where they have over 100 different ambient soundscapes, some of which you can hear in this podcast. Or, if you're looking for some music to set the tone of that fantasy capital, or raise the stakes of combat, consider supporting Will Savino's Patreon named Music D20, where he is constantly dropping new tracks for your tabletop games. Hey there! Thanks for listening. Tall Tale Theatre Collective is proud to announce that we are expanding our podcast network to now feature two programs. We will continue to present our horror series, Night Terrors. 
Welcome to a world of thrills, threats, and terrors. Night Terrors is an anthology radio play podcast that will bring you face-to-face with your nightmares. Come listen, if you dare. Introducing our newest program, Fantasy Fantasia, which includes two RPG podcast campaigns. The first is Dungeons & Dragons, Legend of the Silver Flame. Experience laughs, suspense, and triumph with a motley crew of adventurers who could be the last hope against great evil, long thought to be vanquished. The second is Monster Hearts, Undergrad. Follow the tale of romance, mystery, desire, and murder as an unlikely bunch of mostly pubescent monsters navigate their social, academic, and supernatural lives at Oakhurst College. Listeners even get the chance to weigh in on the action of both campaigns. For more, visit our website at www.talltaletheater.com. Talltale Theater Collective. Grow with us.